Magic Detective, starring the world's greatest living magician, Blackstone. He tells you the inside story of The Riddle of the Other Eight Ball. Right after the story, Blackstone will explain tricks that you yourself can perform. Reveal the guarded secrets of the world's greatest living magician. And now, stand by for Blackstone, the magic detective. I didn't know you played pool, Blackstone. I must take you on sometime. I'm a humdinger at it. It's almost guaranteed to have you win. You'll have to be terrible to have me beat you. Blackstone doesn't play pool, but I do. I'll play with you sometime, Tom. Well, Rhoda, that's a date. You must like pool an awful lot to carry an eight ball around with you. Oh, did you find that? That's not mine. It's Blackstone. But you said he didn't play. Oh, I get it. This ball is part of his act. No, it isn't, Don. That's just an odd eight ball that I keep around as a souvenir. Odd in more ways than one. What do you mean by that? Look at that eight ball. See anything funny about it? No. No, I can't say that I do. Uh, Turn it around in your hand. Turn it over. Look at all sides of it. I still don't see anything funny. Well, hang on to the eight ball, and Blackstone will tell you all about it. Well, Rhoda and I went out into the country to attend the engagement party of an old friend of mine, a man I'd known for years. Rhoda and I were standing on a balcony overlooking the river and watching the sunset. Oh, darling, the sunset. Beautiful, It certainly is. That sky means it'll be clear tomorrow for the garden party. Oh, good. Hey, there goes the bridegroom down the driveway. There's somebody with him. Doesn't look like any of the guests I've met so far. I wonder if... He has gray hair and a Van Dyke beard. At the top of the car down, I can see him perfectly. wonder who it is. Looks like Morton Fairgood's just bought a nice expensive wedding present for his bride-to-be. The car? Oh, that's not new. I've seen that before. No, your gray-haired bearded friend is none other than Bravoort, the famous jeweler. Oh, and you must be driving him to the train. Uh-huh. Oh, you remember, Mr. Fairgood told us at lunch that he was buying a perfectly gigantic diamond for his gal. He said Bravoort was coming out this afternoon with several stones, and she was going to take her pick when she came out tomorrow. Well, I was a little late to lunch. He must have told you that before I got down. Yeah, I guess he did. Uh, who else was there when he told you about it? Well, the Phillipses and Colonel Anderson and Mr. Barringer and Miss Nelson. I guess that was all. They all heard it? Of course they did. Hey, where are you going? The sunset isn't over yet. Fairgood should have had better sense. Oh, look, is there a fire or something? What's the hurry? We're going down to Morton Fairgood's study. Quick. In here. This is the study. Look, the safe over there near the windows. It's open. I was afraid of this. And and here's a jewel case marked reward. Open it, Rhoda. Empty. Somebody has stolen those diamonds. But who? Who could have done it? Almost anyone. Five people knew that Revolt was coming and what he was bringing with him. Any one of those five could have come in here, lifted the diamonds, gone out again to mingle with the guests. They're all in the game room playing pool, Blackstone. Do you hear the click of the ball? Now let's go in. You're, you're not going to accuse them all, are you? Very good would be sore as an owl. After all, some of his guests are innocent and... And they're all his friends. I have a hunch that one of the guests stole the diamonds. It would be a perfect scheme to hide them in the pool room and then come back for them, just before it was time to leave for town. 
If the jewels were found by some odd chance, it would be impossible to connect them with the thief. Come on. We'll go out through the garden and then into the pool room. So no one will suspect that we've seen the safe? Right. Come on, let's go. Over. Well, you beat us this time, but you must give us a return bounce. <laughs> Hello, Miss Brent. Hello. You just missed a wonderful game. Oh, I'm sorry. Hello, Paul. Some other time we can play, perhaps. I hope so. Well, I guess we'd all better dress for dinner. See you later. What do we do now, Blackstone? Hunt. You might start writing the balls, Rhoda. I look in the pockets. The diamonds may be hidden in one of them, though that seems too easy. Yes, it does, doesn't it? Yes. I can't imagine any of these people stealing from Morton Cairbury. They're his friends, and... That's funny. What is it? There are two eight balls. Let me have them. This may be the secret. Thanks. What is it, Blackstone? You look as though you found something. This eight ball is lighter than the other. I wonder... Yes. But what eight ball is unscrewing... It's a case. And here are the diamonds. The inside of the ball is, is just like a honeycomb, isn't it? Yes. Oh, but look, Blackstone, we found the stones, but we don't know who stole but them. we'll find out, Rhoda. We'll find out. Blackstone, I can't believe it. These people here are my most intimate friends. None of them would steal from me. Then how do you account for the rifle safe and the diamonds in the billiard ball? I can't account for it. I just can't. Did you leave Miss Brent to see if anyone goes back into the billiard room? No. She's in the living room with the other guests. Then we'll never know who stole the diamonds. The thief would go back in there, wouldn't he, and retrieve the extra eight ball? I think so. But he'd never do it if anyone were looking. That's why I've left the room unguarded. Then we'll never know. I think we will. I want you to go in to your guests. A dreadful thing has happened. A dreadful thing. As you all know, Brevoort the jeweler came out this afternoon bringing some diamonds. The stones have vanished. Who in the world would have taken them? The thing that is worst of all, even worse than losing the stones, is the fact that all signs point to one of you as having stolen them. One of my friends. Oh, that's impossible. I wish it were. If one of you did steal the stones, though I can't believe it possible... <laughs> It's a billiard ball. Don't touch that ball, anyone. Don't touch it. Mr. Ballinger, I'm afraid that we'll have to pay a visit to the police. Ballinger? You? Yes. Yes, I stole them. Every one of them. Paul Ballinger, you're like my own brother. More like a poor relation. You've had everything that I've ever wanted, but I couldn't stand it anymore. You're married, Elaine. I tried to, but you got it. You! You! Come along, Ballinger. Come on. It's too late now. What made Berenger throw the ball across the room? Remorse? Oh, no, it wasn't remorse. Ow! Oh, that bigger ball I was holding. It's hot. It darn near burned my hand. What's the idea? Well, that's what Berenger wanted. Oh, you mean Berenger's eight ball was hot like this one? That is Berenger's eight ball, and I played the same trick on you that I did on him. I don't understand. Didn't you ever take chemistry in school? Yes, I did. What's that got to do with it? Well, you remember that the inside of the eight ball was honeycombed into little compartments. Well, after I removed the jewels, I filled the compartments with water and quicklime. Oh, I remember. Water and quicklime mixed, develop great heat, right. turn into uh, slaked lime, don't they? That's right. 
And Barringer had the ball in his pocket. He'd sneaked into the billiard room and taken it from the rack. Yes, but why hadn't the ball burned the rack? Because it required Barringer's turning the ball to mix the lime and water. The ball was literally burning a hole in his pocket. And into him. And when it got too hot, he couldn't stand it anymore, and he had to throw it away. And throw the whole game away, too. Well, I'll be darned. So another mystery was solved by magic. But, Blackstone, I see you're going to show us a trick with a glass. Only this isn't a glass, Don. It's a goblet. You ought to know the difference, Don. A goblet is a glass with a stem. Well, anyway, I'm glad it's going to be a trick with a glass or a goblet. Why, Don? Well, because Blackstone won't be borrowing another coin and losing it for us. But I am borrowing coin, Don. Uh, Let's make it a big one. A half dollar. Well, if I must. Here. And now a handkerchief. Coming up. One handkerchief. Ah. Now we're ready. First, I put the half dollar under the handkerchief, right in the very center. Well, I can see the shape of the coin, even though it's under the handkerchief. And then I hold the handkerchief over the goblet, so that it's covered along with the coin. Right you are. Now what? Now I drop the coin into the goblet. Well, so now the coin is in the goblet, so what? So I'm going to ask Don to hold the goblet. Well, why let Don hold the goblet? Don't I belong in this trick? Yes, but the half dollar belongs to Don. Suppose you lift the handkerchief, Don, and take another look at the coin. All right. What? I say. I say the coin is gone. Uh, completely vanished out of the glass. Well, you were holding it. And that leaves you a half dollar out, Don. So I'll take a half dollar from my own pocket and keep it. The same half dollar? Uh, no, two quarters. And there they are. Well, how did you ever do that, Blackstone? Well, you try to solve the riddle, Rhoda. And if you don't, I'll be back to explain Coin vanish in this goblet, Blackstone. How did you manage to? Well, let me have the coin and the goblet, and I'll show you. Only this time, I won't use the handkerchief. Well, that's a help, because without the handkerchief, we can see what really happened. Well, here you are, Don. I held the coin over the goblet, under the handkerchief, of course. But do you notice how I hold the goblet? Yes, it's standing squarely on your lower hand. Does that help the trick? It does, because before I drop the coin, I do this. Well, you tilted the glass. We couldn't see it while it was covered by the handkerchief. And you've tilted it so far that the coin won't drop into the goblet. That's the secret of the trick. When I drop the coin, watch what it does. But the coin struck the outside of the goblet. It landed on the foot, so it slid right into your hand. But it sounded as though it landed in the goblet. It did, exactly. And that plunk on the foot of the goblet was just like a coin coming to rest inside the glass itself. So now you know the trick, Don. I handed you an empty goblet and kept the coin in my hand. And what did you do with a half dollar? I dropped it into my pocket when I brought out the two quarters. Say, this time is easy, Blackstone. Easy if you don't use too large a goblet and practice it a few times. Even I can do it. I hope you like that trick, ladies and gentlemen. And until next time, this is Blackstone saying good magic and goodbye. next time when the world's greatest living magician, Blackstone, tells us the story of the Cellini Statuette.
and explains more tricks that you yourself can perform. Listen in again to Blackstone, the world's greatest living magician. 